Welcome to episode 152. I am your host, Gail M. Davis, and this is Design Perspectives. Welcome to the Design Perspectives podcast. I am your host, Gail Davis. I will talk all things design from expectation to reality, from what to expect when working with designers as well as the trades. And from time to time, current events will seep their way into the conversation. In the meantime, sit back, relax, and listen. Hello and welcome back to the Design Perspectives Podcast. I am Gail Davis, your host, and today's interview is with Susan Hayward of Susan Hayward Interiors, and she is based in Milton, Massachusetts. I am so excited to have this conversation with her. We talk about how she started her business, how she went back to school after being a mom, and we also talk about her going into business with her daughter, which I'm fascinated when mothers and daughters can work together because, listen... I have challenges with my mother. I love her to pieces, but I'm pretty sure she's like, no, ma'am, I won't be working with my daughter. Anywho, without further ado, please listen in. It's really great. And make sure, you know, you follow her and check out her work. She's really an amazing individual. I love strong women. Have a great one. Hello, Susan. Thank you so much for joining me today on the podcast. I am excited to talk to you because this was not your first career. So please tell the people who you are. And most importantly, how did you land in design? Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me today, Gail. It's my pleasure to be talking to you on your podcast. I've had quite, um, quite a background that started way back then earlier than I really want to talk about (laughs) with my degree in rehabilitation counseling from Boston University. And I was working with spinal cord injured, newly spinal cord injured patients and trying to help them get services. Then that sort of got me a little bit into trying to develop programs since funding was so limited and went on to development and fundraising and then legislation was starting for universal design, so I got very involved in that at that point. While all this was going on, simultaneously, I was having children and decided, gee, I don't want this crazy, hectic, nine-to-five kind of a pace, and wanted to be able to um, set my own hours a little bit. My husband and I started a photography business, nice. and I did that for a long period of time. Then one day, my kids were in college, and I said, I've always wanted to do design. I'm going back to school. Why did I go back to school? I had already been doing design. I already had friends that wanted me to help do their houses, but I really felt like there's things that, that I need to learn, mm-hmm. So, and I needed to be legitimate. I wanted to be a member of ASID, which mm-hmm. was very important to me, um, and I just wanted, I wanted to be able to have that shingle out there that said, yes, in fact, this person knows what she's doing. So I did. I went back to school and got a degree in, in interior design, and I laugh and, and tell, um, tell people that my business, I just kind of took off with no real hard starting point because I was so much older than everyone else. I could go into clients' houses and I think they looked at me and said, boy, she must know what she's doing. She's been doing this for a while. She's not, you know, 25 years old. So I got jobs that some of those 25-year-olds probably didn't. Right. So it wasn't necessarily a bad thing, but it definitely did help me 
to get started and move into um, a field that I just, just love. Okay. So tell me, excuse me, about your first client and, and how did you land that client? Because I think people think that it just comes easy, but they don't really understand that sometimes it's networking, it's conversation, a neighbor will recommend you or a neighbor will be like, Hey, I've seen how your house looks. I really love it. Can you help me? Oh man, isn't that the truth? Well, actually I was working with a contractor on my mother-in-law's house and um, she was in, in, in rehab and we needed to renovate her bathroom. And this contractor and I just got along so well that he said, you know, I have a lot of customers sometimes that have trouble making some of the decisions that you're making so quickly and easily. I had just finished design school. He said, would you like me to maybe pass your name on, which he did. And it was for a lovely woman. I remember her to this day. She, I could not have had an easier first client. Wow. And we did a living room, dining room, family room. And for a family with four very active boys, and I learned so much in the process. I learned, um, you know, I learned how you have to make sure to let the client's personality determine what the room is going to be and not mm-hmm. yours. You know, I say to every client when, we, when I first meet them that any really good interior designer should be able to design the space. True. A really good trained interior designer should, in essence, be able to design anything. The difference is, is it someone that you get along with? Is it someone that listens to you? Mm. Um, is this someone you want to be married to? Because in essence, you, it's all that same thing that goes into like a marriage, you know? You want to have that vibe that you can say, I hate that. Um, or I love that, whatever it might be. So that's sort of what I've kind of ta- I took from that very first job and have kind of moved along from there. All of our work is from referrals at this point, primarily from people in the trade. Wow. And um, other uh, contractors and electricians and plumbers and um, fab furniture stores, and we, we get them primarily through the trade. That is amazing. That means you, you're really... <laughs> People, I'm not saying you all are mean, but I'm saying that's, it sounds like you're a really kind person because I feel like when you network, people really pay attention and they're like, we'll always have you at top of mind to recommend you. I mean, cause there's a bunch of designers out there, right? And some may not be so great to work with, with trades people. And they're like, I'll never work with them again. But if they're referring yeah, you, that's, that's sure. a big deal. For sure. My first, um, I do commercial in residential, and my very first commercial job I ever got was for a very large project. And I met the project manager for the first time, and he was an older gentleman, had been in the business for 40-some-odd years. And I introduced myself, and I said, hi, I'm Susan. I'm the interior designer on the project. He shook my hand. He looked me right in the eye, and he said, just so that you know, I hate interior designers. They make everything late. Um, they just delay the job and the budget goes up. So I kind of looked at him. I said, okay, let's just say I'm the materials and finishes consultant on the job. <laughs> and, and he laughed and he said, you know what, kid, we just might get along. And we worked for 20 years on some very large projects. And he would say to me, paint colors are due. I don't care if you choose purple, just give me the color the um, manufacturer and what you want for a finish and will be done. So I learned so much from him. You know, a lot of these tradespeople, everyone has a job to do. Your job is no more important than theirs. So that's so important working with a team. 
Yeah, I think sometimes designers think like they're the star of the show when I'm like, no, this Broadway show is all of us. Like we're a cast that has to work together to make it seamless for the client. And for me, when I'm done with a project, it's always the biggest compliment, you know, especially with my my most recent finish um, project. The client was like, I just, you're so different than the others that I worked with. She was like, I, it was just so seamless. And I was like, well, that's how it should be. But then again, you know, it is for me, when, when you make it seamless for yourself as a designer, it is a lot easier to get through the project. You need to have systems for yourself. And I'm always amazed at people that don't, because like you said, then that gentleman is like, I hate interior designers. For sure, for sure. And it makes it hard for the next designer on the next job. Yes, yes. So how did it come for you and your daughter to work together? Because that's that's magical, Susan, because, you know, I don't really get along with my mom. <laughs> so how, how do you work with yours? Am I? How lucky am I? Well, my daughter got married to an amazing man who at the time was a Navy helicopter pilot. Nice. And she was, um, uh, she graduated with a degree in marine biology and was working out. They were both out in San Diego and she was working out on a boat. He was up on a plane and they were thinking about having children. And she said, Mom, what am I going to do when I have kids? If I'm out on a boat and Christian is up in the air flying, you know, how can I do that? And she said, you know, how much she envied the fact that I was able to mold my schedule to always be available and to go to all those games and, and be there and be the chaperone on the trips. And she said, and I've always loved design. She said, maybe I'll join you in the design business. So I said, well, that's great, but you have to be legitimate and you have to go back to school and you you need to learn because just having a good eye isn't mm. enough. You need to learn how to do a floor plan. You need to learn how to do all of those specific things that are very, very important. And she did. She went back to school, got a degree, and now we work together and our clients are the better for it. She has a much more West Coast influence. Mm -hmm. I definitely have a more of an East Coast traditional. And the two things together, I think, just give our clients a whole different perspective. Wow. So how many projects do you have going at one time? Well, we try to keep it manageable. We don't normally do more than one commercial project at a time um, because they're so time consuming and yes, so large. We just finished a large restaurant. But we usually do about, I'd say, six projects at a time. Our residential projects tend to be larger and they tend to go on forever. You yes, know, it seems do. like we do. Uh, two or three rooms and then the client's like, okay, well, now we're going to go and we're going to do upstairs and we're going to do this room and this room. So, um, and a lot of, a lot of ways we, we feel like our clients are clients forever. When we finish one house, then we do their next. So it's sometimes it's hard to, to be taking on new people when your current clients just are forever referring you and, and having bigger and larger projects for you to do as well. We've been really fortunate that way. Now, are your projects more in the East Coast or in the West Coast, or is it all over? And how do your clients find you? That's what's always important to me. Like, how do you get your name out there so people will know who you are? And, and when they're ready, they're like, you know what? Let's call that design firm. I really like what they yeah. did. Yeah, that you know, everything has been word of mouth. Um, it's usually someone who's referred from a contractor from 
one of our previous clients and that's how they find us. Sometimes someone will find us through our Instagram or from, you know, some local PR or a project that we may have done that might be in a magazine. But I'd say 90% of the time it is referral from someone that we've worked with in the past. Okay. Have you ever worked with a client where you had to part ways? And if yes, how did you do it so it was seamless and not bitter? Yeah, we have had to do that. In fact, in all the years, I've had to do it twice. And it goes back to what I said before about that marriage. You know, we do say that in the very beginning in our first introductory consult is this is a marriage. And as long as it's working, that's great. But sometimes you have to have a divorce, and it just may not be working. And that's what happened with a particular client. And I felt like the client really, really knew exactly what they wanted and didn't really want anything other than what they had in their mind. And we felt as if we were beginning, we were becoming more of just a, a salesperson for them, Ooh. someone to make a purchase for something that they already decided they wanted. So at that point, we felt like we were not doing them a service. You know, there was no reason charging them design time for things that they, in essence, were doing on their own. So it was a very nice party, and they actually appreciated the fact that we let them know that they could do it. Like, you can do this. You already know what you want. Um, so that was probably our worst case story, which I guess really wasn't that bad. No, it wasn't. It also sounds like you handled it, you know, very amazing. And so no one was bitter because sometimes no, it we can really turn didn't. In fact, we still talk to the client and, um, yeah, it, it was a really nice, happy parting. What are some of the, give me two valuable lessons that you have learned being in this business because people, I'm always amazed when I meet alleged designers who don't have contracts, you know, they're not set up and um, they think what they're doing is design. And I was like, no, you, you're more like an assistant or a decorator. And there's nothing wrong with that. But you you can't say for me, I, I'm like, you cannot say you're a high end designer and you're not shopping in the places that would be and you're not doing custom. You're just, you know, buying off the rack at a retail store and just calling it a day. Mm hmm. Exactly. I'd say that's the first thing right there is a contract. To have an ironclad contract, that that is paramount. Um, you know, there have been times when someone will, will read through our entire contract and we end up not having it signed because it's more than they were expecting. Mm -hmm. I don't mean more monetarily. I just mean more as far as this was involving more than they were expecting. So we absolutely always do a contract with a client. The second thing that I think is the most valuable lesson, and I alluded to it a little bit before, is that you are part of a team and that what you ask someone else to do is what's going to make your job come. Whether it's a, a custom project that you're doing and you're working with a woodworker, if you're not a woodworker, you don't know all the intricacies of the, of the wood. So you have to kind of learn along the way and um, accept the, the, the knowledge that the other people working with you have. So I think that that's so important is that not ever forgetting the fact that you are part of a team and what you do also directly relates to someone else. Oh, I love that. I love that. Has it been hard growing your team and finding tradespeople? 
No, that's been the easy part. Um, we are really fortunate that we work with so many amazing, amazing tradespeople. Uh, every new job that we do with someone is one more person to add to our list. Um, so that's that's one thing that we're very, very fortunate. We have a, a wonderful wonderful list of people that we can refer at any time and we work a little bit differently with that we will refer anyone to any job but the contract for those services are with the client right we are not a gc and we tell people that right off the top we will refer you to everyone but you know the gc stuff that contract is between you and them true no i understand that Oh my goodness. It's just very interesting to for me to have all these conversations with so many different designers to hear how they operate. And I'm like, what is what is your winning formula? You know, how are you making sure that you um stay in love with what you're doing? Right? Because this for is sure. It's a lot of you listen, you're making a thousand decisions in like a minute. <laughs> for sure. And it can become overwhelming. And the other thing is like, you have to show your client that you, you know what you're doing and that you are in control. Because I always say, and I learned this from um, Luann Nigara, that whenever you accept money from a client, you are in business. And I'm always amazed at how it doesn't connect for a lot of people out there with, with that, if that makes sense. It's a, it's a responsibility. You are accepting a responsibility every time you accept that check, for sure. And is there a program that you like to use with, uh, you know, let's talk about some systems for a second. Is there a program that you like to use in your office? We use Design Manager, which is a, sort of a design uh, software that's more of for our orders and, and billing types of things. Um, studio designer. I have that too. I love it. Yeah. It's very robust. It's super yeah. robust. Yeah. In fact, it, it really, for keeping track of things and billing purposes, it really is amazing. At the end of the year, our accountant is very happy that we use that program. Yes. So listen, I had, to, I switched to it because my accountant is the same way. She's like, this is what I use. And I was like, not a problem. I signed on to it and I have to tell you, it is amazing. But what is so amazing about Studio Designer is that I remember we were having a meeting and she was like, you still have money that's owed to you. And I was like, no, I don't. And she pulled it up to show me. And I was like, oh my God, this is why I have an accountant. <laughs> that's amazing. And, that's, a, that's a really good one to hear. And not that, hey, do you know you didn't get paid from this client yet? You know, oh, way better. Way better thing to hear from your accountant. Yeah, and you're right. At the end of the year with the taxes and everything, like it's all buttoned up. Then I hand it over to my CPA. They're like, this is how much you owe. Like it's just seamless. And I feel like since I've switched to that and I have all the people in place, it makes my job a lot easier and a lot less stressful because I'm telling you, taking people's money, the large checks that I get, I'm always like, dear God, okay. Let me deposit that. And also the other thing that I found out, some designers actually co-mingle the money with their personal. And I was like, that's a recipe oh, for disaster. That's that's something is a is a huge no-no. Wow. Yeah. I mean, credit cards that you purchase goods with must be separate. Your bank accounts have to be separate. You have uh, you, by doing that, you're also putting
putting your own personal life at risk. Yes. If anything ever happened, you know, when you start doing all that co-mingling. So absolutely, if you are a designer or if you aspire to be a designer and are going back to school to do one, you need to make it a job and make sure that everything is kept separately. Wow. Well, this has been really enlightening and amazing, and I'm so grateful for your time. Um, Before we go, please tell the people where they can find you, because you are in the gorgeous state of Massachusetts. (laughs) The gorgeous state of Massachusetts, which is torrentially raining right now. (laughs) Same, Um, same here, same here. And this has been such a wonderful opportunity, and I'm so appreciative for you taking the time to talk with us today. Um, We can be reached either through our website at www.susanhaywardinteriors.com or through our Instagram at S-U-H-A-Y Interiors, Suhay Interiors. Oh, my goodness. Thank you so much. That'll all be in the show notes. And you are always welcome to come back to talk more. My pleasure. And I would love that. Absolutely. Have a great day. Thank you, Gail. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Design Perspectives podcast. As always, I'm your host, Gail M. Davis. I really appreciate you listening. Please don't forget to rate me on iTunes. It is super important. It will help people to find where we are located. And the Design Perspectives podcast is also available on Design Network platform. Thank you so much. Enjoy your day.